What is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Nathan Cranefield, the host of Seeking Excellence. Today, I had an awesome, awesome episode to share with you guys. It's with my friend, Anna Lulis. Anna uh, works for Students for Life of America, and is just passionately pro-life, passionate about a lot of things in life, her faith included. But today, we, we handle... Uh, a lot of the common objections that you have to the pro-life movement, right? So a lot of the arguments that you see put forth by people who are pro-choice, pro-abortion. And so we wanted to talk about those in a practical way that hopefully helps to equip, help to equip you if you are pro-life and how to better have conversations around the topic, or if you're on the fence, help you to get off the fence. You know, one of my good friends uh, here at Benedictine will often say that the devil owns the fence. And I think that's true in a lot of topics, right? And so, you know, we often say that indecision eventually is a decision, right? So like to be neutral on topics like this is, is really unhealthy. We think that it's really bad for you and that this abortion is one of those topics that you have to pick, right? You need to pick a side. Um, and so hopefully this helps to sway you on, on what I believe is the right side of that topic. And I hope that you really enjoy it. And then I had a great conversation about it super long. I think it's our longest podcast of all time. So I hope that you enjoy and stick around for the ride. I know it's a long one, but it's worth it because it's all very important. God bless. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ, to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Awesome. Anna freaking Lewis. How the heck are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, it's been, as we talked about, a crazy time with getting engaged, moving, just accepted new jobs. I haven't announced my new job yet, though. And I didn't tell you before this, so I'll have to tell you afterwards. But, um, or you could ask Caroline. I was about to say Caroline told me. Oh, did she? Oh, okay, okay. I was, <laughs> asked, I was thinking that before. I was like, Caroline probably told you, but <laughs> yeah. super excited for that obviously, and just everything that's coming up. So it's been a good time. It's been a good time, but uh, super yeah. excited to have you on today. Anna freaking Lewis. I mean, what a gift, you know, to have you. you. I've been wanting to talk and hop on here for like the longest time. So when you reached out to me and asked me, I was like, I freaked out. I think I told Caroline, like, oh my gosh, I'm finally going on Nathan's podcast. It's going to be great. <laughs> that's awesome. I yeah. love it. Well, it's great to have you. I'm very excited to, um, yeah, just to be able to do this together and uh, talk about something that's so important and so important to each one of us. 
obviously that's kind of like our our link other than other than crow we call her crow caroline rose owens because emily has like eight caroline friends so we <laughs> i gave her a nickname and we call it almost exclusively crow but yeah. we have the crow connection but obviously also students for life of america and so i want to talk about that but first if you just give us a little bit of background on who is anna lewis what makes you so cool and uh tell us just a little bit more about your life and your love for the great state of virginia the commonwealth of virginia excuse me yes uh so i was born and raised in virginia never left as i was telling nathan um but i like it i don't think i will ever leave um but you know if god will something else for my life i will obviously go somewhere else um but yeah, so born and raised in Virginia, I was a cradle Catholic. However, I was not devout until uh, my college years, and I really had like a crazy conversion come into Jesus type of moment. And ever since then, it really um, took off. And I um, went to Liberty University. I started well. I was the president of the Catholic campus ministry there. Uh, it's predominantly a Protestant school, so. Um, definitely had a lot of pushback, but, you know, I kind of like confrontation in a weird way. I'm kind of a fighter. I can see that. So I, uh, oddly enjoyed it. I was like, yeah, like y'all don't like Catholics bring it. Like, you know, let's debate, let's have these conversations. Um, and you know, a lot of fruitful conversations stemmed from that. And then from, you know, my passion with ministry, it led me to, pro-life movement, um, got really heavily involved with the pro-life group at Liberty University as well. And then from there, I, uh, got a job with students for life. I didn't think I was going to have any job, let alone, you know, uh, within a field that I'm extremely passionate about. So I'm super right. blessed for that. Um, and then ever since then, I've been with students for life for about a year and I'm their data data obsessor. That's what, that's the indoor name. Um, but essentially the data analyst, I collect all the data. I, um, help market a lot of stuff that we do at students for life in order to collect data and uh, create funnels in order to like effectively use it later on. Uh, so it's fun. Like I said, it's coming up on a year. Um, but yeah, good time. That's, a little that's amazing. <laughs> I didn't know you went yeah. to Liberty. Yes. A lot of people are shocked. And then I always have to clarify and say, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. Oh, yeah. Because it's so Protestant. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's like the Protestant um, Franciscan or something like that, you know? Oh, yes. It's uh, like an equivalent. A lot of people like to say um, yeah. exactly that. It's like a Franciscan. So, which I'm like jealous of. There's a part of me that's like, oh, man, I wonder what it would would have been like if I went to Franciscan. But no, it was cool. I, <laughs> right. I have like... <laughs> have that same vibe but in your actual yeah like belief system yeah yeah and because it was so different um interesting but I love the culture and so that's why I feel like I would have loved Franciscan as well because the culture would have probably been the same and from individuals I've talked to who've gone to Franciscan from my understanding it sounds like our experiences have been similar except for the part that you know it was Catholic and I went to a Protestant right. university so yeah that's really cool I love it. And so, yeah, hopefully I'll get to hear more. I'm excited to hear more about your actual conversion story at some point in our lives. Maybe when we, when we come to visit this uh, in June, we'll be down in DC when I'm dropping Emily off when they go to the Given Institute together, her and Crow. So yeah. excited for that. Then we'll get more of the Anna Lewis background story. I'm excited to hear it. But oh, today, yeah. 
and a freaking list. We're going to talk about pro-life stuff. One of our favorite topics. And so you and I both get into mad debates on social media and, and in real life, I'm sure, uh, about pro-life conversations and things like that. And so there's so many places we could start when we talk about this. But I think one of the, the first places I kind of want to begin is what is kind of like the central debate um, as to whether or not it's a human life, right? And so why I call that the central debate, the analogy to this I like to use is that in uh, when you're debating a lot of people on like, you know, if you have Catholics who are progressive and stuff like that, like want the church to change its teachings on whether it's abortion or homosexuality or whatever, divorce, I always say that we need to answer these like primary questions, right? Like, does God exist? Is Jesus the son of God? Did he rise from the dead? And does the church have authority? Once you answer those questions, there's a lot that flows from that, right? Like then I can say, okay, then the church, if it has authority and it's guided by God, right? And there's revelation through the church, then I can trust what the church teaches me. In a similar way, I feel like this is the question that everything else in the pro-life argument flows from. But it's crazy that we have all these other debates. We have all these other topics that people like to bring up and nobody wants to talk about this one. Right. So it's like, it's almost hard. Cause it's like, do we start at this one or do we go backwards and get to this one? But I think it is the central point, right? Like it is the main thing, but it, like how frustrated do you get when people argue all this other stuff? And it's like, if we can't agree on whether or not it's a human life, then none of this stuff matters. And people can have a, a different opinion on that. But I feel like the hardest part is when you're arguing with somebody about my body, my choice or forcing your religion or whatever it might be. And it's like, mm-hmm. but can we just have this debate on what, like, do you think it's a human life or not? And it's like the most dodged question, I think, in the 21st century. So, yeah, what yeah. Do you, how frustrated do you get with that? <laughs> I was so incredibly frustrated. And it's ironic when people say, and I get this all the time, it's just because you're Catholic. That's oh, why yeah. your pro-life is because you're Catholic. And it's funny that they said, they've said that to me because when I was um, non-practicing, I was Catholic my whole Catholic my whole life. I didn't really have a personal relationship with Christ, nor did I believe I would actually say I was culturally Catholic, but agnostic. However, mm. I was still pro-life. And a lot of people think that's odd um, because they always wonder why. And I always would bring it back to the science of it because the reason why I was agnostic is because I didn't think science proves Christianity or proved anything else. However, it didn't necessarily reject that there was a higher being, which is why I was agnostic. I was very scientifically based. Um, And I almost like needed scientific proof to form any belief I had, um, which is why I was very pro-life. So when I would have these conversations with individuals at uh, college, because I actually went to the University of Delaware prior to um, transferring to Liberty University. So it was a secular environment. So I guess I did leave Virginia at one point, <laughs> um, but it was a very short moment. Um, I would have these conversations with individuals on campus and we'd always go back to the science and pe- individuals would start saying, well, there's potential for life, therefore abortions necessary and abortions morally appropriate. Um, when really, if you go back to anything, like bring it back to the science class, um, the moment of fertilization for an animal, any biologist or scientist would recognize that that is a stage, a development of that life. So when you bring it back to human development, even high, higher education, higher, higher education institutions like uh, Princeton, for example, 
recognizes that the moment of fertilization, that is the beginning of life because that's the start of human development. So going back to the root cause and scientific reasons for why abortion is not only immoral, but takes a human life because that's the act itself. And a lot of people would think, get triggered by me even saying that or think that type of language is politically motivated. And I'll just bring it back to the science. Like actually, no, a lot of times I like, a lot of people like to say, you know, base all of your arguments off of science, but they neglect to do that themselves. Yeah. So I think honestly, the pro-life movement, and we've been doing this for so many years, is we've actually stripped Christianity or any form of religion out of the pro-life movement because we don't even need that to fight for this cause. Because at the end of the day, abortion is the act of taking a human life. Because at the moment of the of fertilization, which is conception, that is the start of a human life. So I think that's it frustrates me, but that's always the conversation I bring it back to. Yeah, because everything else flows from that, right? So when you talk about all these other arguments that we're going to get into, if you, if yeah, renouncing <laughs> human life makes a huge difference. And if it wasn't, right? If there was, if there actually was a way to convince us that it was not a human life, then it would change our stance on a lot of the the arguments, right? Like it would make sense that that would follow. But if it is a human life, then it really doesn't. Like you're really talking about it's extremely immoral to then you know, advocate for the killing of a human life. And everybody agrees with that, you know, in their form of what they believe is human life, right? That no innocent person should be killed. Almost every like moral human being believes that, right? But then you have uh, just this kind of neglect of this, you know, the most vulnerable in our society because of uh, how well I, I think you could say the devil, you could say, you know, politicians, you could say society has successfully manipulated right? The, uh, our perspective on what is a human life and what is not, which we've seen countless times before in human history, right? Where blacks were not considered fully human or Jews were not considered fully human in the Holocaust, right? Like there's been so many times, like this is not, this is far from the first time, right? (laughs) A certain group of humans has deemed another certain group of humans inhuman. And so I think it's really sad, you know, um, how much people aren't even considering that question, you know, because I feel like fundamentally at the beginning, at least it seemed that way, you know, like in the Roe v. Wade days of like, that was what people were debating, right? Like at least they were actually debating that. Now it's, you know, the argument, it's all about your force that you want to control women's bodies. You want to do all this other nonsense. And it's just gotten so out of control and so out of line. But I love what you said there about taking religion out of it. Cause that's such a huge thing, right? I think it's, it's kind of funny to me, as frustrating as it is. I do kind of laugh when people think that I'm going to like quote scripture Mm-hmm. As to why I'm probably right. Like there's yeah. there's arguments for that. If you're arguing with a religious person, which is the most like absurd thing to be religious and pro-life or pro-choice. But it's like, yeah. how can you like they, but people would literally think you're gonna like, you know, pull out the catechism to be like, see, this is why everybody should be pro-life. And it's like, bro, no, like it, I, we could literally never talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Bible, nothing. The Vatican, like leave it all alone and just yeah. talk about the science. Yeah. And I honestly think people respect that. Like when I, and I hate saying this because I love that I'm a devout Catholic now, but when I wasn't, I almost think people respected my argument more because they knew I wasn't religious. Um, and I didn't have a bias quote unquote behind what I was saying. And like, like I said, don't get me wrong. My faith 
allows me to believe a lot. And I, I am very passionate about my faith and it does affect how I uh, think about everything. However, like I said before, I was very pro-life. Like I would sit down and have conversation. That was the one issue for me. I was like very, there, when it came to, yeah. to the LGBTQ issue, I was almost like, okay with that. Now I, I'm not, I would sit down and debate somebody about the LGBTQ movement but like the only issue I was really firmly adamantly opposed was the abortion issue. And it like, and people would sit down and want to have these honest conversations with me because like I said, they didn't see a religious person. They saw somebody who was seeking truth from a scientific lens, from their point of view, because we grew up in this, I grew up in the public school system. I don't know about you, but it was all about like strip away religion, it, everything is from a secular worldview. And if you don't approach every conversation that way, nobody's going to think your point is legitimate, which right. I don't necessarily think is great. I think that is flawed on multiple ways. However, that's kind of how we've indoctrinated society. And now everybody in our generation thinks that way. So yeah. And I think just going back to the science, it's like multiple higher education systems have acknowledged that a human life begins at the moment of fertilization, which is conception. And every stage after that is human development. And it's a human being that's self-developing. So when people say, well, it's my body, it's my choice. Well, it's technically not like a human being is, is dependent on your body, but their DNA is completely unique and separate from yours. And when a baby is born, after the fact, they still are dependent upon people. So is it okay then at that point to say, still say it's okay to take that baby's life? A few years ago, people would be up in arms and say, no, now we're hitting a point in the pro-life movement where we're trying, people are passing born alive acts because places are saying that is okay. Like, right. no, you're right. That has a point. If we're okay with aborting a child within um, a mother's womb because they're quote unquote dependent on that woman, then by the time that they're birth, that should be okay for us to just leave the child out there to um, die because they're not self-sufficient. They still depend on people. So now we're really going into a gray area because pro-abortion advocates are recognizing that there's validity in our argument, but then it's like almost how far do you go? Because right. there's yeah, elderly people who still depend on people later in life. So is it okay to just leave them out in the street? And not Special needs people. Exactly. Yeah. And people. yeah. And it gets to a point where it's very, well, eugenics, eugenics stem from this. It's almost like mm -hmm. the most supreme being can exist in society. Everything, if, if you have to depend on someone or if there's somebody with some special needs, or even if we deem a certain characteristic of an individual to be less than, you don't contribute to society, therefore your life is not worth living. So we're getting to a really dangerous point where yeah. it's you know, been present throughout history. Like you mentioned um, in the South at one point, we had slavery, what happened in the Holocaust, there are mass genocides all around the world because people lack the understanding and uh, they don't necessarily recognize the value of human life until it's too late. And I feel like sometimes mm -hmm. in hindsight, they look back and think, 
how could a civilization ever do that? Like the Holocaust, for example, a lot of people look back at that and say, how could just a, a whole civilization think, it's fine, my neighbors are Jews. I, we see them being dragged out of their homes. We mm -hmm. know they're not being treated equally but it's fine. Like, and it wasn't until hindsight where people started recognizing how horrendous those acts were. And I think that's kind of the narrative we're combating within the pro-life movement as well. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's also gradual and that's how these horrific things end up happening, right? It's just all just kind of slowly, you kind of ease your way into it, right? They don't just dive straight into killing babies that are already born um, or killing, you know, elderly people or people with special needs or whatever, but like it just gradually, you gradually get there. You gradually say, well, they're just detaining the Jews for this reason. Right. And then it's like, well, now they're just, they're just imprisoning them for a little while and they have their reasons why they're doing that. And then it's like, well, now they're just killing the ones who like commit crimes or do something wrong when they're in prison. Right. And then it's like, now they're not feeding them. And then it's like, now they're just putting people to death that, at, you know, at free will, like whenever they want. And it just kind of gradually works itself up to get there. And it's, it's crazy. You know, we, we talk a lot about slippery slopes, and it, you never realize when you're at the top of one, right? Because, and I think the big reason why people don't get that is because we have like this lack of morality and what I think, and, and one thing I'm passionate about with Seeking Excellence is a lack of philosophy. When you're arguing with somebody so often in the pro-life movement and you, and you, you get, gave a great example of this when you talked about the different ages, you know, it was like, we just lack this like philosophical capability to understand when we make an argument in one case how, what does that open the door for in other, other instances, right? That are just like it. When we say, okay, well, you can kill them because they're dependent on the mom. Okay, so then can you kill a two-year-old that's dependent on their parents? Can we kill older people, handicapped, mental health, you know, all these different issues? The people that are dependent on drugs to survive, like they're not making the, you know, antidepressants or whatever it is. Like we have so many, we're all dependent. I mean, I'm not, are you self-sufficient, right? Like, do you own a farm and, you know, hunt and gather for yourself? No, like we all depend on mm -hmm. each other. I just had the same argument with somebody yesterday. We were talking about uh, like uh, this is, and we're going to probably jump around all these different issues, but quality of life issues you made me think of, you know, and that's one that I, I you know, I just, I'm talking to this, this person who's a like non-denominational Christian, I think. And is talking to me about how like the classic, uh, this would drive you crazy. I know like I would never get an abortion, but I just don't feel like I can force it on other people. And this is what I'm talking about as a lack of understanding of philosophy and morality. It's so interesting. I've been thinking about this, uh, Anna, I've been thinking about this so much recently of how people say, you know, you can't use scripture, you can't push your faith on other people, but then it's the same people. And you and I are both conservative. I think everybody knows that. It's the same people that on the other side will quote scripture verses as to why we should have open borders and quote scripture verses as to why we should do all these other things that are liberal, but then, and progressive, but then when we have things that are conservative, it's like, don't put your religion or whatever on other people. And it's like, understand that we all have morality. Like I tried to explain to this person, I'm like, you know, we have a law that says you shouldn't murder people. That's also in the 10 commandments, right? Like, should we, should we void that? Because like God, we, we claim Christians claim that God once said it. So we should just get rid of it. No, it's like forcing your religion on other people is me saying like, we should make it illegal to not go to mass, right? Like we should like, everybody should be Catholic and by force and nobody's advocating for that. We're just advocating for you not killing pre-born babies and children. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, mm -hmm. it, we're advocating for not ending a human life. And that's why that's so critical what you started with, with the science, but these quality of life issues when somebody says, what about the childcare system later on? You know, the adoption systems and all the orphanages and all the poor kids and 
if the mother's got a poor quality of life and having a kid, they're going to be poor together and all this stuff. And it's like, do you understand that as a Christian, if you're advocating for that, why don't we just bomb Somalia? Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's pockets of India. Let's just, like just nuclear bomb it. If you think that yeah. quality of life determines whether or not a human being should live or die, I don't like it. I mean, just to understand the disconnect, I told you I was going to get hype, but the <laughs> disconnect that it takes. And, and I, you know, Anna, we have to have compassion for people as, you know, Christian conservatives, I think, to understand that people legitimately don't have the philosophical background to really understand these things. And you and I have both, you know, you and your faith, me and my politics, because I was the same way. Like I was a always, I wasn't always Catholic because I converted at 13, but since then I've always been Catholic, but I was registered Democrat at 18, but I was always pro-life. That was like my one, you know, my, my big thing. But I think we've, we've had these like philosophical breakthroughs and we don't always have enough compassion and empathy for people as they're going through theirs. But it's like, there's a huge disconnect for people. So anybody who's listening, like just understanding that there's a huge disconnect for you to say, it is a human life. I would never have one. Just the fact that you say, I would never have one. I love when I'm talking to somebody who's like passionately pro-choice and they're like, I would never have one. It's like, that tells you something. It's not, that's not your opinion. That's like me saying, I would never rape somebody, but we shouldn't make it illegal. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's absurd in every other category. Like these are the same, you know, people who advocate for all these other things, all these different laws, gun control, all that stuff. Why can't it just be, I wouldn't have a gun, but other people can have one, you know? Yeah. But all of a sudden when it comes to abortion, it's, it's like the philosophical background or understanding people's values and beliefs. It just goes out the window because some politician 40 years ago said, don't bring your religion into this. And people lost their minds. Not only do people not bring their religion into it, they literally... Like they like faith left the building and so did reason. And it was just yeah. like, we're just gone. We're going to go do our own thing. But I know you have thoughts. Yeah, no. And I, I think it's hypocritical because a lot of times, like I was mentioning before, we grew up in the secular society where we can bring our secular worldview into a conversation and justify points based off of a secular worldview. But you're not able to do the same thing from a Christian worldview. And that is the most hypocritical thing to me. So I'm like, so you're telling me you're allowed to make decisions on morality based off of your worldview because you don't claim there's a higher being. But technically, by definition, atheism, there is a God and you are the God. So right, like right. you are still incorporating God in some way, shape or form. But you're saying, oh, because I'm my religion, quote unquote, is different than yours. Or the government is. And it's like crazy though, because there are still fundamental things that everyone likes to agree on. Like you said, murder, like you, it seems absurd for somebody to come up and say, oh, like, well, I don't agree in murdering someone, but I'm not going to stop someone from murdering someone. Like every, even people who are atheists, well, some, there are some people who are coming out now that are like, okay, with some of these things, but most the majority of folks would say no that's there's something wrong with that but why and I could go into a deeper conversation because well if you're really an atheist why do you believe in morality where does that stem from what where right. is right and wrong? but that I don't want to go into like a deep <laughs> that's, a whole, that's another podcast. you know theological debate but like no that's I mean that's kind of like what happened to me was like you know I was agnostic but I still understood fundamental truths uh, like murder was wrong for example which is why I was always pro-life and I understood and had compassion for individuals women who didn't necessarily have that point of view just because they were told their whole life 
it is not life, but when you looked at the science behind it, you recognized it was life. And then it led into the conversation of personhood, but there's no strong definition of personhood or when that even begins. And it all varies between the individuals. And then these women start recognizing, oh my word, this decision was based off of my emotion the whole time. Right. Because a narrative that's getting pushed to us in the name of female empowerment is that I almost need to be more like a man in order to be successful or in order to do like really anything in my life. Like that is the narrative that they push is like, don't embrace your femininity. And, and like, if you have a child or an unexpected pregnancy, you won't be successful. You won't graduate school. You won't have a successful career. You won't have a healthy relationship in the future. Your family will abandon you, all of these things. And that is like, that is the opposite of female empowerment, but it's odd because right. society likes to push this narrative and a lot of women fall into it because it's pushed by a secular worldview. Um, and yeah, and it, it, like I said, it bothers me because it's almost like they can bring in that worldview, but they almost hate when Christians try to bring in their worldview um, yeah. to push anything, but everybody always has a worldview and they always try to impose their worldview on their political beliefs and that will ultimately affect how society operates. So I think it's, I almost would encourage Christians to not let that steer them away from the political realm or just even conversations with your friends because they think Christianity is illegitimate or you shouldn't be forcing your religion on society as a whole when they do that with their secular worldview. So aggressively. Yeah, a aggressively. very aggressive. <laughs> You've seen a lot of aggression, especially in the last year with that. But I think, you know, going back to the science, one thing I wanted to mention too that you you brought to mind earlier is I love the like draw the line backwards question, right? So like asking an individual, you know, thinking myself, at what point going backwards, if I want if I want every day of life, right? Back the day before, the day before, the day before, like what day one did you like become alive? And two, like, you know, going to the personhood, like, when did you become you? Like, when did your you-ness come about, right? So it's like, it was it really like right before you left the, the womb, you know, like right before delivery, most people say, no, like you're a baby, right? Like we celebrate baby showers, all this stuff is exciting, right? Like we grieve uh, miscarriages, even, you know, who was the, uh, what's her name? Tegan, Chrissy Tegan. Yes. When mm -hmm. she had her miscarriage, you know, and like the whole, so John, uh, she's John Legend's wife, right? Yes. Yeah. And she had the miscarriage and like the whole, everybody in Hollywood's like, you know, reaching out, sharing their sympathy and all this stuff. And it's like, why does that matter? Mm -hmm. If, if you think, if you think like, if you're pro-choice and you think that it's not a life, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, where you just stop and think. And I know that had to get a lot of people, you know, praise the Lord for the pro-life movement, because it's just like, you, you stop and think and you're like, why are we grieving this? If it doesn't matter, if it's the same, if she had to get her you know, uh, adenoids or her tonsils removed, like, like they try to make it seem like an abortion is right. Like we just like an ordinary surgery, you know, out, outpatient, uh, procedure, then why, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be stopping, you know, grieving and worrying about all this stuff. Like wouldn't make any sense. But if you draw the line day before the day before the day before, and then you get down to like minutes and seconds, it's like, where would you on that line, you know, of your life, your timeline, where, when did you become alive? And it's like the only time, the only time that makes sense is that conception. Yeah. No, you know I, I mean? agree. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, so it's crazy. crazy because a lot of people would say, well, it's be, it's dependent on whether or not you're wanted. 
if that child is wanted. And that to that to me is so sad. That's the quality of life. If you thing. look at anyone who's been adopted, for example, right? It's like so you're saying their life isn't worth living, or like their life doesn't have value. And I think that is the saddest part to me is because people would look at a situation like what happened to John Legend's wife and say, well, like he, that child was wanted and that's what makes that child have value. But if any woman is in a circumstance where she's been raped or she has an unexpected pregnancy and she's in a toxic relationship and she doesn't necessarily want that child, then it's perfectly okay to just get rid of it, get rid of it. Meaning like, kill the child right. um, because the life, the value in that human is non-existent because of how, how much that individual's wanted. But I could say that about so many people in this world, like say like to any kids who grew up in abusive families, you know, or yeah. were abandoned at a young age, you know, so it, or, just, it just, or just think of homeless people. Like, should we just be allowed yeah. to go and like, just kill homeless people? Somebody's in the nursing right. home. Somebody's it's, in a nursing home and nobody's come to visit in six months. Kill them. Right. You know, and if I it's think, just about being wanted by other humans, how many, how many humans have to want you? Is it two? Is it both your parents or just one? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this, what if dad wants you and mom doesn't, or mom wants you and dad does, is that enough? Or should we be forcing abortions on, on parents where it's just one? And we say, yeah. you know, we've looked at the crime statistics and stuff of a single parent household. And we're just not going to do that anymore because you're not wanted by both your parents. Like a woman gets pregnant and two people have to sign on that they're going to raise the child. You know, like there's so many questions that flow from that. Sorry to cut you off, but there's so many things that kind of come from that, you know, of this, like, it's the same thing as the quality of life stuff where it's like, who, where do you draw the line? Okay. So they're going to be poor. They're going to face hardship. They're going to face this or that. Like, so where do you draw the line? Who gets to decide? And that's the thing. It's so funny. You know, don't force your morality on other people. It's like, well, who, like, that's, that's a pretty big because like, we think, you know, if, if we're bringing faith into it, I'm saying that God gets to decide because God, you know, you're procreating with God and God creates a life. And so therefore it's going, you know, he must will it to exist if it's going to exist. So then we're going to let it, we're going to let the baby live. Right. And mm-hmm. nobody should kill the, the innocent human being at any point in their development. But if you're saying that, you know, somebody else gets to decide, it's exactly what you're saying. I, well, I get to become God or the government gets to become God or somebody else does. And they get to play this game. It's, I mean, it's especially tricky for religious people. But even if you're not religious, it still comes down to the point where who gets to decide? You know, right. like, who gets to decide yeah. this quality of life or who's wanted or who's not wanted? Who gets to decide that? Because we're exactly. getting to the point where you hear people will say, I mean, we're getting to the point in society where people wrote letters and blogs about you should get divorced if your husband voted for Trump. Right. And like, so how far do you think we get to the point where people are actually killing people for their political stances for things like that, you know, and like you can justify that based on the same logic that you use to justify abortion. Exactly. Yeah, it's their undesirable life. Exactly. And it's it's very frustrating. Um, And I like to say people like to throw around the word I'm offended words. I should say the statement I'm offended when there are things that are actually offensive. And I think we neglect that. I know a lot of, uh, even when I hear like, oh, I'm offended, there's, I get triggered by that because I'm like, oh, is it really offensive or is it just something you don't like hearing? But it's true, you know? And, but there are things that are legitimately offensive. And I think by somebody coming up to me or anyone like a homeless person saying, your life isn't valuable enough 
to be here or you're poor. So you shouldn't have children because their lives won't be as valuable as as mine. Yeah. Like, or it's in it. That's actually offensive. And we've done that. Not we, I should say the world because we're sinful human beings for some reason we have not learned this lesson and we've seen it implemented in various places which is why we have mass genocides and continue to have mass genocides around the world because people target certain people groups and identify them based off of their race based off their religion based off of their age you name it and persecute them because they are deemed as less than in society and now we're even seeing that in America and I don't want to switch the topic from you know the pro-life issue but we're seeing that with conservatives where mm-hmm. people are directly tar- targeting conservatives are getting fired they're being censored on social media platforms because and almost treated their people are justifying the treatment of conservatives because they dislike our ideology and they're devaluing yeah. our life and how we should and they're okay with us being treated a certain way because of our ideology just because of how we think which is wild to me. And we're getting to a really dangerous point where it's probably not going to be based off the color of our skin, which I do think is happening and has been happening for a long time. Like I've said the other day to one of my friends, I feel bad for straight white males. And I know that's a very trigger worthy thing to say, but I do because straight white, white males are getting reigned on in society and have been for the longest time in their workplace they're being told that if you're white and you're a straight white male you're you're oppressing women naturally and so therefore we're going to put things like affirmative action into place so that even if you're qual- more qualified than a female applicant she should get it over you because you have oppressed them for them females for an X amount of time when they have not. And it's almost offensive that like growing up, I went through public school like my whole life. And I was taught that because I'm a female, I'm oppressed. And that is actually offensive. Like in going back to like, you know, what are things that are actually offensive versus what are things that are not necessarily offensive. That is actually offensive to me because I want to get something because I am qualified not because of my gender or because somebody tells me that I've been oppressed and I need to walk into every interview knowing, like I need to know I'm oppressed. It's like, I'm sorry, but no. And the most, the victim self-victimization is the biggest form of oppression in our society. And that's what's allowing people to persecute others, like the straight white male. Mm -hmm. And there are other forms of persecution in the United States and that that have happened like in the South there was serious racism and that went unchecked for the longest time and now it's with and it has been for with pre-born children for the longest time and then it's getting to the point where people are starting to attack conservatives just for your ideology alone so because you disagree with me on a fiscal policy it's okay or for somebody who I voted for it's mm-hmm. okay for you to beat me up or, you know, censor, kick me off social media, or, you know, even like paint my house. Like I know here in DC, there were senators, uh, congressmen who were targeted 
and people were staked outside their house, like blaring music, doing crazy stuff. And it was completely appropriate. And it's like, we've, we've gone so far where we've lacked an understanding of what, who are we as human beings and how should we value each other? Right. Even if we disagree or even if we don't look alike or you name it. And we've just gone so far and it's so sad to see, but that's why it's important to have conversations like this and to have individuals who are willing to stand up and say the truth um, even when it may seem controversial, it's and I'm sure you have thoughts as well on that. Oh, yeah, a billion. No, you just said so much goodness. So I appreciate you sharing all that. <laughs> but yeah, it's so important. You know, one of the main things that you made me think of when you talked about like this anti-conservative stuff is what else is really popular and why I think that more people in this category need to share the truth and be bold at where we're at now is what else is really common to, you know, or acceptable form of bigotry is anti-Catholicism, anti-Christianity, you know, like people don't understand how much we're like, we constantly, you know, the church and uh, just Christians in general constantly are giving way to these secular ideas, these secular worldviews, you know, um, which on the Christian perspective, we view are, a lot of them are like evil policies, right? Evil beliefs, racist beliefs, um, you know, anti-human beliefs and human beliefs. And we don't realize like they're coming for you eventually. Like you're you're on the list. You're just down the list, right? Like, but it's like you're coming. You're get they're getting to you, you know. And you're either gonna have to abandon your faith, or you're gonna have to you know abandon uh, this this kind of secular approach to life in general, you know. But I think it's really interesting how you know this fundamental disagreement on uh, abortion, what human life is really leads to all these other things, right? Well, you can disrespect, if you can claim that a baby, the most innocent, vulnerable among us is not human, and we can kill them at will up to nine months, sometimes after birth, then then what can't you change after that, right? So like, I mean, what a huge win for a corrupt secular worldview for people to actually believe that, and for that to have mm-hmm. infiltrated so deep into the church um, and into these moral circles and even just religions in general, not even just Christianity, but any religion that believes in God and believe God created man and that we have, you know, inherent dignity and value because we're made in the image of God. Like how, I mean, just incredible. It's unbelievable the work that they've done to, to penetrate, you know, our culture and our people as well. But going back to what you talked about, about targeting certain groups and things like that, what better tool than abortion to do that? You know, we look at Planned Parenthood's horrific, racist, you know, founding and, and just beginnings. Like it, it is, it's an incredible tool for that, right? When you you talked about, you know, this person's poor or, you know, the quality of life stuff, and we're just going to deem that your life's not worth living or you can't have children. Like that's what Planned Parenthood did, essentially, right? They made it voluntary. They told you it was women empowerment. They said, you're, you're oppressed, Black people, you're oppressed because you're slaves, you're oppressed because you're women, you know, to Black women, and they told them this stuff, and, and they said, here, this will solve it, you know, this is the government making up, the reparations, you know, part of the reparations that they were given to make up for is they said, we're going to fund this organization that's going to kill your babies, mm-hmm. and they'll do it for free. And it's crazy because it actually started on birth control, um, because Margaret Singer was a you. Uh, believed in eugenics and she thought if you were poor um or a minority you should not be having children so you should take birth control 
Um, and it was funny because, not funny, I should say, but Planned Parenthood released a statement after that was legalized. Um, it was Griswold v. Connecticut. And the same, that was the first time in civilization, society, American, America's society that we ever heard the idea to a woman's right to privacy. Um, they politicized that language in the courtroom in order to legalize birth control. And Planned Parenthood came out and specifically said, it's in an article, I'm sure people can pull it up. I know Live Action has it like right on their website. It's great. Um, where they said, this is not abortion. This is not, because that is taking a human life. This right. is preventing fertilization. And so it's interesting because they even admit abortion is to take a human life after the legalization um, of the use of birth control. And uh, it's weird because the arguments they use to push birth control, they use to push and allow society to get more tolerant towards that idea to eventually accept the idea of abortion. It was the same language they pushed. Slippery the same, slope. Yep. It was, yeah, slippery slope, which is why like- step. A lot of almost the whole pro-life movement, I should say, not only fights abortion, but birth control because it's all tied up. It's like you can eliminate abortion. Great. But if you still have birth control, that is the foundation for abortion. And um, it will most likely lead back to abortion if we don't eradicate um, the use for that as well. So a lot of pro-life organizations go after birth control because it's founded in eugenics um, to specifically target these marginalized communities. And right. the individuals pushing this narrative understand that, which is scary because I don't think a lot of people who take birth control fully understand that. I think the people pushing the narrative do. Um, so when I talk to girls who are on birth control, um, because they, and even if they don't consider abortion ever, but they love the idea or concept of birth control, you have to send back I always bring back the conversation of why we shouldn't be ex all overly accepting of birth control because it's rooted in eugenics. And Margaret Singer specifically used that to target minorities, to target the black community, mm -hmm. to target not just the black community, but if anyone who wasn't, who was poor and not fit for society, not helping society out in any way, shape or form, um, she didn't think their life was worth living. So, and then that radicalized to abortion, like I said before. So I, yeah, it's crazy. And for people, like I said, it just goes back to that's actually offensive. Like I, I hate when people use words like that and don't appropriately use that, I guess, because you delegitimize the meaning of that. Like that is actually offensive to go up to certain marginalized groups, truly marginalized groups and say, we don't want you to have kids uh, because we don't think you help our society out in any way. Right. So here's birth control and abortion mm -hmm. to solve. Yeah. That. Yeah. Crazy. It's, it's so wild. It truly is. But you hit on something that I think will be a good segue into us taking some of these most common objections that we get um, is you talk about a woman's right, right to privacy, which leads right into the classic phrase, reproductive rights. I, I mean, you hear on every, debate, Democratic caucus, you know what I mean? Like any, every Democratic uh, primary debate, right? I was talking about reproductive rights. I believe reproductive rights for women and all these things. And I mean, again, you know, going back to like, you have to almost 
not not admire but recognize the incredible progress of the movement when they have really convinced people that taking the human life inside the womb is not only justified but is a reproductive right abortion is a basic human right that's what we often hear and i think that's very tied up with the my body my choice so what is kind of your response to when somebody shares that you know uh, these are reproductive rights for women. You're, and I know you get this, like, do you, you hate women, you hate yourself, you know, you, uh, you know, buy into the patriarchy and all this stuff. And you, why do you hate women? Why do you hate yourself? Uh, don't you want reproductive rights for yourself? Yeah. And every time somebody tells me it's um, a reproductive right, I will always respond with that doesn't exist. And so many people will get triggered by that because they're like, how can you tell me I reproductive rights don't exist? And I can quite literally tell you before Griswold v. Connecticut, that did not exist. Like that, they, that language was invented to push a narrative that is destructive towards the woman's movement. So if I'm talking to a modern day feminist, because the first start, the first generation of feminism was actually good and the women leading the charge were pro-life. They would actually would say that isn't female empowerment because that's just saying men can sleep with us and get away with it and there will be no consequences for men sleeping with us. So they could just like cheat on their wives or do whatever and get away with it and not be held accountable. I'll be at home being forced to pay for it, all of these things. So it's actually not empowering for, and men actually pushed this initiative at first because the first wave of feminism was very, very pro-life. Um, reproductive right. rights didn't come around until Griswold v. Connecticut. And that was to push a narrative that um, is contrary, contrary to the feminist movement at the time. So like, they wanted to tie it up to make it culturally relevant. And like, there's a lot of money that went into pushing this narrative. And still, there's still a lot of money that goes into pushing this narrative, but reproductive rights do not exist. And you cannot justify and use language to justify any act of murder, um, which I understand there are women, and I would never obviously say that to a woman who is experiencing an unexpected unexpected pregnancy because I don't think a lot of people who believe in abortion think it's murder. So I don't think they're going in with it into it with the intent or idea that, okay, I'm actually murdering someone right now. I think some people do. Some people understand that. I think the people pushing the narrative do, but I, I genuinely, most, for the most part, I don't think women actually believe they're killing someone. However, in regards to reproductive rights, I would encourage everybody and anyone to say, I don't care if you're a man, you gotta say it, it does not exist. Because if more people keep saying this does not exist, that will defeat its narrative in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because then people will start waking up and think, well, what do you mean it doesn't exist? And if you tell them, well, a few years back, that concept was non-existent, then, most females I think would actually go and research it. Like, okay, is it, are they just saying this to be oppressive quote unquote, especially if a guy's telling me this, is that oppressing me? I don't know, but actually go look it up guys. Like people use this to push a narrative because a lot of money is poured into the pro-abortion movement. 
Um, and, and women are more than, more than qualified, more than able to carry through on a pregnancy that was unexpected. Um, and they, they don't need all these excuses or outs in order to succeed. And that's the thing that bothers me a lot because I'm very pro-woman. Most people in the pro-life movement are very pro-woman because we recognize that this is the reproductive rights movement is actually anti-woman. Because like I said before, you're telling females to not embrace their femininity. You're telling females they cannot exceed if they're pregnant or if you're poor, this child's, your life is going to be terrible and this child's life is going to be terrible and it's very degrading and it, it's like offensive. Like, I don't want to seem, you know, like an emotional liberal up here, but it, that is actually offensive and you're not helping women out at all. Most women, after they experience an abortion, have psychological trauma and they need therapy, which is, of course, they would because as females, we know that when we get pregnant, that is a baby. That is a human being. Just like you said that we throw baby showers. We freak out when we're pregnant. Uh, we know that there's life inside us, self-developing, a self-developing human being. Um, and there's something intimate about that. So when you, you get an abortion, of course, people are going to have emotional trauma from that because we understood deep, we understand deep down what, what just happened and what's happening. So I actually would a say, and I feel like I'm going around in circles now, but A say like reproductive rights do not exist in a compassionate way. Um, you know, unless they're like a very pro abort, like I don't really care. I I want to murder my child. There's so many people I encounter like that. And it's really sad, but then I would just say, you know, murder is just not right, period. Um, but reproductive rights do not exist and you do not need abortion to succeed. It's anti-woman. And if you really wanna be pro-woman, believe in yourself, believe that you are capable and any other woman is capable in succeeding and having a great life as well as having this child. And if you don't think you're capable of having that child, allow that child to live, allow that child to have a great life with another family or I, it's, yeah. So I, I do get frustrated when people say like, throw around the whole like reproductive rights and you hate women if you disagree with me when it's quite the contrary so yeah, yeah. I don't know I'm sure you have thoughts too and I was going for around sure. in circles forever yeah I think that's that's a good perspective and I think a good approach to take one thing that I I think is a different side of that is that you know the way I would respond to it that's that's interesting I never really thought about it that way before but the way that I typically respond to it is like well you do have you know certain rights around reproduction which are like you have a right as an american as a human being on earth to like not be raped right and we can get into rape and stuff after this which make up a very tiny percentage of abortions but are often used and manipulated to you know allow all abortions but mm -hmm. you have a right to not be raped right like you have a right to consent to your sexual behavior like that's what we believe as americans we might think that that's a sin as catholics but just like on a secular level you know like just reasonable morality and what we believe should be the law in Americans, most Christian conservatives believe that you have a right to consent to who you have sex with and who you don't. The thing, the thing that's backwards, I think, uh, you know, an oxymoron or, or just um, wrong about the term reproductive rights is that it's used to refer to abortion and you've already reproduced by the time you're discussing having an abortion. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? So if you look at it, like you, if you talk about reproductive rights to me, that's like, okay, you're saying that you have the rights on who you choose to reproduce with, or, or, you know, co- you know, do the sexual act with and what you do as far as my body and my choice, like a lot of libertarians and people are, are uh, conservatives are very supportive of that, right? That we all have individual freedoms. If you want to paint your whole body green tomorrow and go out and sit in Central Park or sitting, you know, on um, by the Lincoln Memorial, <laughs> you can do that, right? Like you can be yeah. weird. Like you can do whatever you want with your body until you start to infringe on the rights of other people with your body, right? So I think that you have the choice of who you want to have sexual relations with, who you want to do whatever with. But then once you reproduce, now your decisions have consequences, and so the decisions have consequences and we go forward from that. And we say, okay, the, the, you, you, we all are very aware, unless you're, unless you're talking about really, really young people, most, and even then now, cause they're doing sex education in like third grade in most public schools now, I think. And so when you think about it, most people know that if you, if you engage in this act, there is a chance that the woman could get pregnant, right? If you are a woman that I could get pregnant, like, you know that. And so then there's this consequence on the other side of that. And this is where you see the, like the just deconstruction of morals in our society in general, where even people that weren't deeply religious used to save themselves for marriage, save themselves. So if they did get pregnant, they were thinking about the child ahead of time mm-hmm. to say, I want that child to grow up in a loving home with a mother and a father, right? Because I know that our chances for poverty increase if it's single motherhood, chances for crime, chances for you know, all types, education is going to be lower you know, by the likelihood and percentage of stats on that. And so when you think about that, I think that's the ultimate thing. My body, my choice, you don't believe in my body, my choice, when it comes to affecting another person, or else you could use that excuse, that could be a defense in every rape case in the United States. It's Mm -hmm. my body, it's my choice. Oh, don't tell me what to do with my body, even if I'm grabbing you, groping you, you know what I mean, doing all types of inappropriate stuff. Well, this is my body. I'm allowed to do with my body whatever I want. No, because it's also affecting you and your freedoms and your liberty and your pursuit of happiness, right? Mm-hmm. It's infringing upon your rights. And that baby has a right to life, just like I have a right to life, just like you have a right to life, just like every human being on earth has a right to life. And so we look at yeah. that and we say, okay, that baby has a right to life. So I can't say my body, my choice, because there's two bodies, there's two heartbeats. There's, there's 20. I love the, you know, the question of like, do you have 20 fingers? No, that's because you have 10 fingers and that baby has 10 fingers right now. Right. And so how do you, there are two different bodies or two different people. So it's not your body, your choice. You're actually taking the life of another human. Just like you could say the same thing for murder. It's my body, my choice. I use my body to squeeze the trigger on the gun. And it's not my fault that they were in the way, you know, like, no, man, you can't just do whatever you want with your body. Yeah. It's not trespassing laws, right? People get arrested for trespassing and loitering and, you know, Robert, literally every, almost every crime you commit is done with your body. Right. And you can't just say, well, it's my body, my choice. That doesn't work. And so I think yeah. that's one of the biggest things, you know, with this whole reproductive rights. Yeah, sure. You get to choose who you have sex. If you want to do that, then fine. And the, the other good argument with that is uh, child support. You know, I don't know if you ever heard, if, if you're probably not as big of a Dave Chappelle fan as I have been in my lifetime, but one of my favorite parts of one of his standups, because he likes to get edgy and like push stuff, is he talked about, he's like, you know, ladies, we got to talk about child support. He's like, if you can kill the the baby he's like i can at least abandon him right and he's like if i'm wrong maybe we're wrong and i'm like that's a like i don't i literally cannot understand the same people who are pro-choice pro-abortion pro all these things child support how do you how do you advocate for that to say this like the man is if the woman decides that the woman has the 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 right to kill the baby in her womb if she so pleases 
But if she chooses to go through the pregnancy, then the man is going to have to pay child support indefinitely. And in this in this world that we live in of gender equality now, women still win like 97% of custody battles. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the equality? Where's all that in there? You don't hear it, right? It doesn't yeah. make any, like, it doesn't make any sense. If you believe that a parent should be able to kill the child, then the other parent should at least be able to abandon it and not pay money for it and risk going to prison. Yeah. I have several family members, close family. I'm talking direct family members who have been to prison for child support. Yeah. And money that they owe, pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in child support for what? If you're allowed to kill the child, now that it's born, it's like suddenly the rules change and especially change if it's against men. Oh, yeah. And that it's just so hypocritical because, and I know there are even men, and this is a huge thing within the pro-life movement too, where men want the child, men want to keep the child, but women are still able to say, I'm just going to take the child and kill it. But it makes no sense because if you kept that child full term, it's still not right. And it would be illegal for a woman to take a child, go across state lines and not allow the father to have any say in that. You can't do that. And for, but for some reason, when it comes to the issue of abortion, even though it takes two to tango, for some reason, the men is, the man is always neglected in the situation. And there are a lot of support groups men have to go to because they tried to save their child, which they had a right to do, and they should have had a right to save their child. But the court system said, no, you don't. You, even though you created this human being and you are the father, it's still her body, her choice. But it's not because it's a unique human being, which you participated in creating. Like, it wasn't like I just sat here and the egg developed into a human being by myself like randomly like it just randomly, randomly happens <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah and spontaneously so, occurs exactly and that it's so frustrating because w- men don't get a say anymore no matter what and even afterwards it's because we're fed this idea like I said I was grew up being told I'm oppressed by men my whole life and yep. I'm not like and people are going to say, oh, it's because you, you're white. You had a great background, whatever. And I did not. If you guys know my, you guys, like anybody who's listening or anyone who would were to tell me that, because a lot of people have told me that in my life, they don't know my life. They don't know my upbringing. They don't know what I've, my, the experiences that I've been through. So you don't know if I've actually had a really an abusive life. Like you have no idea what I've been through. But for you to say automatically, because of the color of my skin, I have privilege or I grew up a certain way is just false and not true. I am still able to say that I'm not oppressed and that men should be treated equally in every single situation. If we really want equality in society, they should have that right. And especially with this issue, with the abortion issue, like if they helped create this human being and they're the father by definition, they should be able able to say no you need to keep this child like that is my child even if you don't want it that is my child and I should have the right to defend my child and I think that's a huge it's so sad because we're going to look back and I think really hopefully generations from now or I hope it doesn't take generations for us to like stop this um genocide but um they're going to look back. I truly believe and think, wow, 
men were not able to instinctually defend their child. Because I think men instinctually, they want to defend. They want to defend their wives. They want to defend their children. And we did not allow men to be men. And that's the, the, I, and I don't want to switch topics completely, but we're teaching men that you cannot be men anymore Mm -hmm. and where you cannot instinctually do what you're called to do. And one of those things is to defend and protect people. And I think it's sad because we'll see men who have to go to support groups because they're suffering a loss. They're suffering. Like my child is completely gone and I couldn't do anything, even though I wanted to, everything in me wanted to like, you know, and there are videos of men like crying and begging girlfriends outside of Planned Parenthood's like, please, I beg you, don't go in. That is my child. Please, I beg you. And they can't do anything. And it's so sad. And so I really, yeah, I just would encourage men to really just stand up and hopefully we're able to push more policies that give men the right to be men and defend what they should be allowed to defend, which is obviously the most vulnerable in our society, their children. Right. A hundred percent. And so I think going back to what you talked about there with, uh, you know, we were talking about kind of like it's spontaneously happening. I think yeah. that's, that's obviously the window that a lot of people use into the pro-life argument is rape uh, in that circumstance. So I, I'd love to kind of transition into talking about how do we kind of approach and respond to when people bring up the, the rape issue when it comes to abortion. I would say your life is not defined by your conception. So it's like wherever you're conceived, that does not define your life. So, and rape is already traumatic. And statistically, we know that going through an abortion adds on emotional trauma. So you're not helping a woman in any way um, who's gone through rape to tell her to get an abortion because there are long-term emotional effects that she'll have not only from that rape, but on top of it from the abortion. Um, So we're not helping the woman in any way, but on top of that, the argument, you're basically saying that due to the place of that individual's conception, their life is invaluable. Going back to like what we were referring to before of who are you to say that based off of where an individual is conceived, their life isn't worth living. Think about all the people who were conceived out of rape in the world. And if you went up to them and told them, yeah, your life isn't valuable. Your life isn't worth living. I wish you'd been killed in the womb. Like I think you should have been. And And you can't tell the difference. mm -hmm. You can't, out of a group of a hundred people, if you said five of these people were conceived in rape, pick them out and I'll give you a billion dollars if you go five for five. Yeah. Who could do it? Yeah. They're the same as everybody else. And they're the same in the womb, despite mm-hmm. the horrific circumstances that brought them about. But yeah. yeah, I agree. So that's generally like what I would say, because it's a it's definitely a touchy subject. And any woman who would go through that is I like my heart breaks for them. But at the same time, I don't want you to experience more pain. And I think for some reason, people think that if they go and I don't know, it's this narrative that like okay, we will only have abortion in these cases. But Mm -hmm. I really believe the people pushing this stuff know it's a slippery slope. And A, that's statistically, like there are very few cases where that occurs. But um, it's really the pro-abortion advocates knowing 
once we get this legal loophole, it's easier yeah. for us to stay into other things. Um, exactly. Continue to oppress this people group, which are the preborn, um, through various legal outlets. And it really actually hurts a woman and the child that's conceived out of that circumstance. So, yeah, it's a tricky subject, but it's more straightforward than people think, in my opinion. For sure. I think it's a classic example of two wrongs don't make a right. Mm-hmm. Everything we've stated so far, when we talk about the science, the fact that it is a human life. And I, I use the example too. Obviously, it's more intimate when you're pregnant with a child if you were raped. But it's like that person, like even if you go forward, right, and you decide to have the the child and things like that, like let's say they stay in your town or in your country or your state, right? Like seeing them as an adult or as a as a five-year-old kid could remind you of that instant. You know what I mean? It's like this like if, if the the idea is that this is a human life yes we understand that but it was conceived in rape and it's a constant it's going to be a reminder to this woman of that experience like if they see the kid at age five and it's like this was the kid that you conceived in rape like and it's a reminder like by that logic do they then can they kill the five-year-old you know what i mean can they kill the kindergartner because it's like mm-hmm. this is a reminder of that experience it's traumatic for them it's like yeah we understand that um, I mean, we don't even kill rapists. Rapists are a reminder of, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, and uh, there's probably a lot of conservatives who would advocate for the death penalty for rapists, but the same people who are incredibly anti-death penalty would say that you should kill the child, but the rapist gets to keep living his life or her life, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like, how do you, how do you make any sense of that? The rapist gets to, out of the three people, you know, there's two innocent, one guilty. One of the innocents gets killed. It's like, that's, it's unbelievable, right? We, we think about, I mean, it, it takes it from a rape incident to a rape and murder, which are like the worst crimes we ever hear of, right? Like that's like one of the easiest ways to get the death penalty in states that still have it is to rape and murder somebody, right? You're almost yeah. guaranteed, especially if they're underage, like you're almost guaranteed to get uh, the death penalty in the death penalty states because of that, if with that crime. Um, and it's just unbelievable to think that we just kind of say, yeah, you know, uh, after you've been raped, like the, the solution there if you're pregnant is going to be to, to kill the baby. It doesn't make any sense. The other thing I love, like the Ben Shapiro response to that is always, before I answer that question, are you saying that we can get rid of all other forms of abortion? You know, like practically speaking, when you're engaging with somebody who's not really like being empathetic, they're just trying to like pull at your heartstrings and emotionally manipulate you. Mm-hmm. It's the best comeback, I think, because it just kind of, you don't even have to address it because most people aren't being serious about it. Yeah. Most people that bring that up to you, and some people are, there's some people I think who are kind of falling away Catholics or Christians that have gone sucked into wokeism and progressivism and modernism and will say to you, you know, you know, but what about rape? And that's just the one that I really struggle with. And they kind of let the rest go because they're stuck on this rape thing. But it's like a lot of people are, are bringing it up and they're just, they don't even care about that. They're just trying to get you to go more. They're just trying to get you started on the slippery slope. They're like, just go down a little bit. You'll be able to stop. And mm-hmm. they know that you won't, right? Because they greased it. Uh, but they want you to go ahead and kind of get started. And they say, what about this? And so I've seen Ben in, in debates say, so are you, before I answer that, are you willing to say that all other cases are wrong? Or are you just using this as an emotional plea to kind of get the, get your argument through, right. you know, even though he has a response to it, but he's just like, if you're going to do that, like, let's just talk about the, let's just talk about the issue. We don't need yeah. to talk about the 2% of cases that have that. It's like, cause if we can agree on that, we can already drop abortion by 98%. Yeah. 
And so he's like, can we agree on that right now? And it's like, no, well, of course not. The same thing goes, I think this is a great segue into to say the life of a mother. This is the other one I get all the time. You see the empathetic uh, Christian, especially, but people in general, you know, that try to live empathetic, compassionate lives. Like, what about the say the life of the mother? And this one, I think is the most manipulated one for sure, for two reasons. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I know one is, I've often, you know, been seen just studies and medical research and things like that to say that abortion is never necessary, like medically necessary to save the life of a woman. That mm-hmm. is abortion to think. Of. So this is the difference, right? So there's medical procedures that indirectly doing them to save the life of a woman would kill the child versus abortion is I'm going to kill the baby, right? We're going to terminate the, the fetus's life. Mm-hmm. And that is never necessary to save. Now you can do other procedures and things like that, that will indirectly, you know, induce labor, or, you know, will just kill the baby for different reasons, but are not directly intended to just kill the child to inject the child with poison to pull the baby apart limb by limb, you know, into pieces, that's never necessary to save the life of the woman. The second part of that is that even the church agrees that sometimes those procedures are necessary, and that it's a very difficult not not abortions, but the procedures that indirectly will lead to the death of the the fetus, uh, the baby inside the womb, um, and and says that you know that's a very difficult moment and it's a, it's a very tough decision recognizing that, but that it can be permissible to save the life of the mother, mm. right? That it's not it's not it's typically I think by most pro life people do not say that if there is a procedure like if, let's say radiation with cancer or something like that, um, if you had to get that it might kill the baby inside the womb. Most pro-life people that I know, and I know especially in the Catholic world, believe that that would be an acceptable thing to do, morally speaking. But what are your thoughts? Yeah. No, you hit the nail on the head. I think in every single case, you do not have to kill the child prior to, like, for example, I know in many cases babies would get poisoned and then they would induce the mother into labor. So it would be induced labor and the baby would be dead and be born stillborn. Um, And there are so many ways around that though, because you don't have to poison the child. Like you said, prior, you can just have the mother go into induced labor. Um, There are so many ways around it. Like I said, you hit the nail on the head. I don't really have that much more to add. Yeah, don't worry. um, Besides like, there's nothing. I was giving you a break. Yeah, like there really isn't anything. There's so many ways around it. And a lot of people know it, acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone who says otherwise are really just folks who want to push the pro-abortion narrative, in my opinion. Right. Um, Because if you just look up, they're like, how like induced labor, all these things that I would mention, you don't, uh, the act of abortion, the act of taking away a human life is never medically necessary. If that occurs accidentally, even though like the intent is to save both, um, at least the F- effort was there and, and we tried and the intent isn't to directly end a human life. It's actually to pre- preserve too. Um, and that's the difference between the pro-life movement and then the pro-abortion movement. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. And it's just such another one to answer that same that same Ben Shapiro line. Are you saying that all other forms are wrong? Or are you just using this as an emotional door into, yeah. you know, the abortion justification? And so I think that's really big. 
only a couple more that I want to hit. So let's talk about this is another one. That's another emotional ploy back alley abortions. If you make it illegal, women are still going to get abortions and it's just going to put their life at risk because they're going to be doing it in some dark alley or some, you know, creepy basement or something like that, that they're going to be getting these knockoff abortions done. What do you, what do you say back to that? That's a lie. <laughs> like it's statistically when it just wasn't the case. And um, a lot of people like to cite sources that it was the case prior to the legalization of abortion when the sources were all flawed and people came out after the fact and said, yes, you're right. Those sources were flawed. Um, statistically, when the legalization of abortion um, occurred, there was an uptick in all of that as well. Like there was still, it wasn't even like abortion because there were still many loopholes with abortion. It was essentially like, okay, well, abortion's all right, maybe in the first trimester, but not the second, not the third. And people will, will, will would have, and we're still carrying until the second and third trimester. So the, of course there had to be back alley abortions, but statistically that is not true. Um, and you'll see a decrease in abortions every time there is a pro-life law passed back alley too, mm. um, because you're creating you're you're creating a culture of life as well. It's not even like yeah. oh don't get an abortion, almost like tough it out. It's really like when you encounter the pro-life movement, we're really taking you in and showing you what the culture of life means. That we mm. are holistically pro-life. We will walk through this pregnancy with you, but not just through the pregnancy, we will be with you after the fact. And then when people feel that community and support, they really love life and don't feel the need to do back alley abortions or anything that you were referring to because right. our, the purpose of the pro-life movement is to instill that culture of life within every state and then hopefully bring that back to the entire United States. Right, 100%. And I think that it's it's one of those things, I think that it kind of goes back to the examples of other crimes and stuff, right? So like, why don't we do that with uh, with murder, right? Like I was thinking it, when before we even got into this, I was just kind of thinking about this topic and I'm like, man, why don't we just have, especially like, let's think about gang violence, right? Like when you say that, all right, back alley abortions and more people could die, like, well, with a lot of gang violence, like we just saw, you know, that I think it was seven-year-old in the McDonald's drive-thru that got shot by a stray bullet during a gang shooting. Why don't we just make it legal that like once a week, like we could just have like, like gladiator style that they could just like go nuts, right? Like they could just kill each other. We could just set it up. Rival gangs could like have times where they either like fight to the death or shoot it out or you know what I mean? Like we could just make duels a thing. Like, why don't we just make some form like legalized form that is kind of a safer area for people to murder people? It's like, no, you don't. Do, it's the dumbest thing in the world. Right. Like you don't do that. You don't justify. Well, it'll be safer to do something that's incredibly immoral and should be illegal and is a violation of literal basic human rights just because you think it'll be safer. The other thing that is always interesting with this, and I think this comes up every time after every mass shooting, there's a discussion of we're going to take all the guns and it's like. That's the logic there is just so wild to me. Yeah. We're going to be able, cause yeah, and I'll get into this. So with <laughs> guns, we're going to take all the guns, right. And we're going to like eliminate gun crime because of that. And it's like, okay. So if you think that's true, how do you not think we're going to eliminate abortions because of back, like if we make abortion illegal, right. And at the same time, what I'm advocating for when I'm talking about 
I recognize and you recognize that we're not saying there'd be zero, right? Yeah. Like we're not saying there'd be zero abortions if we made it illegal. Like, sure. Like some of them still happen. The, the statistics on beforehand and how it was d- being done illegally might be flawed and exaggerated, but it wasn't zero, right? Like they were right. happening. There's no doubt right. about that. But like this idea that we're going to, you know, get rid of, get rid of guns and all the criminals are going to somehow not get guns. We're not going to just somehow get the guns out of the hands of the good people. We're going to actually get the hands out of all the people and banning rifles is somehow going to stop handgun violence and stop murders, even though so many murders are done with knives and cutting instruments and all this other stuff. Right. But like, we're recognized, like there will still be abortions, no doubt about it, but just like there's still murder, just like there's still rape, just like there's still all kinds of crime. Crime doesn't cease when you make it illegal. Yeah. But we still think it's a basic, it's, it's a, it's a human right thing, right? It's a human life, the science, all the stuff that we shared earlier, that it's right. a morality issue. And just like you shared, like culture is upstream from politics. So it's really a huge cultural crisis that we're having in the United States. And you're seeing all these other things, these other forms of bigotry and the way we're changing and, and the gender spectrum, you know, I think Facebook has like 56 genders now and all this different stuff. We might get censored on Facebook now because of that, but um, <laughs> you know, you think about all these things that kind of flow from this, this destruction of what is human life? Is it valuable? Is it worth living? Even if it's hard? Um, Yeah, there's so much that flows from that. And it's really, really sad. But the culture is so far upstream from politics. And you're seeing now, where then you think, you know, these back alley abortions and things like that. Well, on the other side of that, now you're seeing laws being passed that are going to force doctors into performing abortions. There was a doctor in Argentina, I know, who was I think you probably sent me this email, right? Because I get emails from you yep. uh, for students <laughs> for life. And uh, the doctor in Argentina who literally was in prison for not performing an abortion on a woman. And I think the baby like was born, right? Like the baby was yeah, born and now was a that, He saved that baby. saved life. a life. And that like, baby is going to be a, for that now. Human but it's like, life. imagine being that person. Yeah. Like that's what we need. We need martyrs like that. Mm-hmm. People who are persecuted. Well, not technically martyrs, but you know what I mean. In terms of like, I mean, he's given up a lot. Life is over. That is, yeah. is like a form of persecution. And because he was willing to recognize a life before his own, and who did that best, other than Jesus Christ Himself? Right. And that's what we need with people now. We need to take back culture, like you said, and start putting people. And we're living in a very selfish, individualistic type of culture. So it's like people would rather take away a human life in the name of convenience than preserve life in the name of hope. Like I am going to put my life before yours because I recognize that there's value in you. And that's what that doctor did. And he's in jail now, but that baby is living and it's like, I, that's so such a beautiful story, but it also makes me so mad because I'm like, that man is suffering persecution for doing the right thing. Yep. And he will be, he's a saint, but like it, we need to take back culture. So that doesn't happen here. So we're able to put people in front of ourselves, but not face any form of persecution like that. And yep. we live in America, so we shouldn't. Like the fact that America is deteriorating so fast is scary to me mm-hmm. because we are the land of the free, quite literally. And we're getting to the, the point where doctors will be persecuted for not performing an abortion and for saving a child's life. And that's why like everybody, we need to change the culture, not just in cultures upstream from politics, like you said, 
once we do that, then people will start recognizing and, and appreciating this culture of, of life and start implementing it on a legal scale. Right. So, yeah. I think you just gave me a bunch of stuff. And this is why we <laughs> pray beforehand, because I feel like the Holy Spirit just connected these things for me. And you're going to love this. So check this out. So you just dropped that whole thing about like, we need martyrs and people that literally give up their lives, right? Their livelihoods, their reputations and things like that are willing to go to prison for this stuff. And think about this. It's actually kind of hit me a little bit earlier, but just like was so solidified when we talked about this heroic doctor in Argentina, like think about uh, when it comes to the idea of carrying a baby to term when you've been raped, right? That is a heroic act. Nobody denies that. And even no matter how much we advocate for it, like we're not taking away any of the courage that it requires, any of the strength that it requires, but we really given up this idea that you should be self-sacrificing and offer any type of suffering for other people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, you know, one of the greatest examples I think of in that is you think about like the Vietnam war or even world war two or world war one and the draft. Right. And we have this, like, we're, this is why we talk about, like, I I've shared, you know, this hot take on the podcast before that the only reason we get to talk about trans issues is because like, there's not a world war two happening. Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason why this stuff didn't go down in world war two or world war one or the cold war and stuff like when, when stuff was like really on the brink of going down, like you don't have time to discuss, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like what your pronouns are on the battlefield. Right. So like, we didn't have time to go into that. We live in such a coddled, you know, just, you know, uh, just so blessed and gifted and uh, comfortable society that we're able to talk about all these things without recognizing the people who one sacrificed for us to get here, right? But recognizing that we had things like the draft and we called those people heroes because a lot of them didn't want to go to war. They didn't want to go to the jungles of Vietnam or over to the, you know, the beaches of France and stuff like that. But they did it because it was heroic. And why? Because it was for the greater good. They did it for one another. They did it for their families back home. And this is, that's the same kind of heroic courage and moral courage. We call it moral courage, you know, to do something like that, to carry a baby to term, even though you didn't want this situation, even though you didn't want to deal with this, it's, it's a human life. And that baby deserves the right to life, a chance to live, the chance to be who they're created to be. Right. And you think about this, this is what you're really going to love, Anna. <laughs> think about how we, that same group of people, that same progressivists, all these things, modern, you know, modernity, tear down the police it's the same mindset right so how do we and you can see all the connections right you start to see all the spider webs this is why people start to think we're crazy people like you and me <laughs> but you start to see the connections all this stuff right so it's like yeah. police who are actually protecting they're laying down their lives they're risking their lives you see the connections between like a lot of the blm movement that gets all up in our, lebron james recently right talking about your next accountability when he when a police officer shoots you know with the makai Bryant situation shoots a girl who is stabbing another girl and he's like putting his life in danger for them right like risking his life to do this and we're just, we're just tearing down that entire profession that used to be appreciated respected adored admired and we're just tearing it down the best police in the history of america the least racist police we've ever had are the police of today like of today you know that three months ago 12 months ago like they are the least racist police force they've ever been right now and that's only, you know, proceeding to get better and better in the future. And still we're tearing that down for the sake of what? So that we can tear down, you don't self-sacrifice all this stuff. You don't do that. You don't protect, you don't provide, you don't do the, any of these things. You know, you talked about masculinity being torn down. All this stuff is so correlated, so related. You start to see it all and you start to see how crazy it is. This is why so many people start to leave the left like I did. 
because it's just like, man, and none, I mean, you just have one, you have one revelation in one of these areas. You're just like, this really doesn't make any sense. Yeah. This is some but crazy like you shit. People call you crazy for that. Like I, yeah. <laughs> same thing happens to me. Like, yeah, I really, once you start getting one thing, things just start falling into place and you start seeing that there, everything is tied together. Truly. Right. And once we don't have a firm understanding of one thing that trickles over to something else and that trickles over to something else. And that's why we're seeing so many issues right now, especially with the whole defund the police movement, like you said, mm-hmm. because it goes back to a consistent life ethic. Like police actually defend the d- dignity of human life. Like, don't get me wrong. There are going to be corrupt police officers, just like there's going to be a corrupt like when people say, oh, all men are sexist. I'm like, no, that's not true because yes, some men might be, but the majority are not just like the police force. I'm using that example because that's what I was like literally taught my whole life, but right. just like the police force, it's like, no, okay. Yeah. There might be like a few corrupt guys because we are, people are sinful, um, but the majority is good and they promote good and they want to defend life. And there are so many other areas that like the America as a whole, people are starting to hate America and what America means, but America was a beacon and should still be a beacon of hope for all of these people because what we represent and what we defend is good, which is why we need to take back culture because culture is slowly drifting into a very intolerant, that which is ironic to say, because they, I feel like it's in the name of tolerance, tolerance is which is what is making our society intolerant. But um, it's we need to claim culture back and start changing it because once people start waking up and realizing America is a beacon of hope, the police for, force is here to defend life, so on and so forth, then we'll start getting a firm appreciation for what life is and the value of life. So yeah, no, you're right. And I will go on and on and on about this because I do agree with you that it stems into quite literally every single topic I can think of. Yeah, for sure. And I, we will do more in the future for sure. Cause I think we could do three more podcasts on that uh, yeah. right now, you know, but uh, this I think is already going to be the longest podcast we've ever done. So I want to ask you, Anna freaking Lewis, how, uh, what do you think like the normal person, you obviously work for Students for Life of America, which is awesome. What do you think like the normal person, like what can we do to help? How can we advance, you know, the pro-life movement? I would say start small, start with your community, um, help out your local pregnancy resource center and help people get informed about it. I Statistically, a lot of people actually don't know their closest pregnancy pregnancy resource center, which is scary because even if they are pro-life and they're not aware of that, if they ever encounter somebody who's experiencing an unexpected pregnancy, we want to direct them towards a life-affirming pregnancy center. Mm -hmm. So make sure you know your pregnancy, local pregnancy resource center, um, get connected, you know, start drive, start donating, even if it's a little bit, um, and just pray outside abortion facilities Um, once people are out there praying, um, statistically the amount of abortion appointments, uh, canceled goes canceled, uh, tends to go up. So, um, your presence outside of those abortion facilities 
actually make a difference. Uh, so just start local, start with your community, and from there it will spread. I love it. The other, the other two things I want to add to that is the movie Unplanned, five stars. I call it like it's, it's similar. It's got its similarities to The Passion of the Christ in that it's incredibly hard to watch but you'll realize that something that you already may have been convinced of being a very serious thing is even more serious than you ever imagined. Right. And so like, you know, you think we hear oftentimes in the pro-life movement, like 60 million of babies aborted since 1973. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you kind of think of it, you kind of get it, but like until you kind of see it and, you know, praise the Lord for organizations like yours and for live action who um, show the things that, um yeah just really help for people to you know kind of see what abortion actually is and kind of the aftermath of it and uh yeah it's, it's really powerful and then the other thing that i was going to recommend while anna hopefully lives through this <laughs> calling that she's having, that's so funny is prof- uh, pers- uh, persuasive pro-life by trent horn one of my favorite books i've ever read uh, Trent Horn absolutely crushes it and it's how to talk about our culture's toughest issue and it's really really good and it's awesome and yeah follow Anna Lewis and all that she's doing and her new podcast so <laughs> yeah. long as she lives <laughs> I, I don't know what happened there I like started coughing up a storm <laughs> I still am I don't know what's going on that's so it's, funny yeah oh my word bro <laughs> It's great to see you. We are, yeah, and I just started dying. Yeah, she was dying, but <laughs> oh, I, Anna, am. I, I tried to hold it in. I'm sorry. No, you're all good. <laughs> you're all good. So that's great. So thank you so much. I love it. I hope people read the book. Hope people watch the movie. Hope people enjoy this podcast. And like you said, the other great resources are the Students for Life dot org, right? Website yeah, and live action, live action dot org. Also, fire if you want to learn more. And just look into, like, get the resources on some of the stuff that we shared about and uh, the science behind all of this and the arguments and everything like that. And then just watch a bunch of Young Americans Foundation uh, gaff videos with Ben Shapiro destroying people on uh, abortion topics. <laughs> That's, that was really big for me in my early days. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> you're good yeah, to go. Well, good stuff. Anna, it was great having you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Look forward to doing more. And check out that we speak podcast which we will do together someday as well yes we will thank you so much